I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. I watched a recent Kidogo video in which a couple from the Gold Coast of Australia, Rob and Katie Mulhern, shared that both their church and the entire South Pacific and Australian churches had doubled in size. I was fired up to hear that good news, but I wanted to find out how they did it. So I asked Rob and Katie to share what's helped them to take their church from 37 disciples to 75 members over the past five years. What's amazing is that that church had plateaued at around 37 members for 16 years prior to their arriving in the Gold Coast. Listen as they share what's helped them to grow, what their weekly schedule looks like, how they stay connected relationally in a vast area of the world, how they manage the ministry with two toddlers and one on the way, and how imitation and friendly accountability helps them to stay focused. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving if you're living in the United States. And if you're not, I hope you have a great Christmas season coming up. I'm recording this episode on November 30th, 2022. I've got some good news I want to share with you. This past semester at the University of Arizona, I've spent four days a week reaching out and walking with the disciples on campus. Kevin Liu, Erica Liu, Felipe Marias, and Ed Mejia. And it's been an awesome time. We started the semester with three disciples. I mean, we really had gone down after COVID. We had about probably 23 to 25 disciples prior to COVID, really declined some graduations, some people had left. And so our goal was to grow it. And so we had a great baptism uh, like about a month ago. And then on Sunday, a man got baptized. And it was really encouraging because I was out sharing with Ed Mejia and I walked up to a guy sitting on a bench and invited him to church. And he came out to church and then he got baptized on Sunday. And it was just so thrilling. I mean, he just really, there was a lot of ups and downs as we studied the Bible with him, but he made that decision to make Jesus Lord. And it was a huge, huge source of encouragement to me and, and to all the disciples. And so we're, we're plugging away. So we're seeing some great guys get baptized, and we have other people that we're praying for. So keep us in your prayers as we continue to rebuild this ministry. I want to give a shout out to Melanie Yu. She, she sent a gift to help support the work here and the, um, the program. So I just want to say thank you so much, Melanie, for your continuing support. It means the world to me, and I'm so grateful. It really helps me to do what I'm doing, and I'm just so grateful for that. Pam and I went on a getaway uh, Sunday after church. We went up to Sedona, and we do this probably, you know, we've tried to do it every year. Last year, I don't think we did it, but we get away for a couple couple days to rest, but also to plan out for the new year, and it helps us to get on the same page. We talk about the ministry. We talk about our kids. We talk about our finances. We talk about all sorts. I mean, just keep, it's kind of like two straight days of talking, and we had such a good time, and I'd recommend it to anybody 
if you're especially if you're a married couple, just to get away. If you're single, try to get away anyway. But think through, okay, how can I make 2023 my best year ever? So really, really enjoyed that time. Also, I want to talk about the CLIMB Small Church Conference coming up November 30th of 2023 in Dallas. Now, that's not this year, but it's next year, a year from now. Actually, I think today is exactly one year. And so I really want you to come to this, and I want you to plan it. I want you to share share good news about this. I want you to tell your friends if you've got um, people that want to grow. They need to come to this conference because it's going to be all about how to grow, how to grow your small church, how to grow as a missionary. And that's going to be in Dallas, November 30th through the first few days. It's that weekend. I think it starts on a Thursday, ends on Sunday. Really, really want you to put that into your calendar, put that into your budget. It's going to be well worth it, even if you live overseas. Definitely want you to come. It's going to be amazing. So Climb Small Church Leadership Conference is going to be awesome. I'm going to start a new section on the podcast called Life Advice. So if you have any questions about your ministry, about dating, about family, or anything else, just can be, it doesn't have to be anything related to, to the, any of those topics, email it to me at rob at robskinner.com. That's rob, R-O-B, at robskinner.com. And I'm going to start a section at the end of my programs just answering those questions. I'm just going to read your email. And if you want me to keep it private, I can. But otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and share. Just My wife will probably join me and just share some life advice. So I look forward to doing that. Now, if you know of a topic or a person you feel I should cover, email me at rob at robskinner.com. I've gotten some of the best interviews simply through your recommendations. I, I remember um, Kay, Kaylee Yateman, she said, hey, I'd like you to interview my parents. I think they've really got something to share. And it was awesome. It was awesome to talk to them. And so if you know of people or ministers or people that need deserve to be highlighted or even topics that you guys really like to hear more on this subject, just shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And I may not do, be able to do it like right away, but I just keep those things simmering and I'll come back to them. And people have sent me ideas that I didn't get back to for like six months, but I will get to them. And it's some of the best ideas. Now, if you're living overseas, especially help me out here because I, I don't get to see you very often, but I'd love to hear what's happening overseas in, in Europe, in Africa, in South Asia or in Southeast Asia or wherever you're at. Help me out here by sending me some tips so I can get, get a spotlight on what, what God is doing around the world. Robin, Katie, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now, I, heard, I saw you guys on a video recently from Kidogo that uh, Mike, Mike Tolliver puts out in San, or San Antonio. And you made the claim that the churches in your region of the world, is it the Pacific, what is it, the Pacific? Yeah, the South Pacific Australia region. Yes. South ah. Pacific, okay. The spa region. Okay, that sounds like a good name. Have doubled. <laughs> and and so I thought, boy, we got to find that out. I mean, it's a very short video. You just shared the highlights, but it, it left me wondering, okay, how'd you do that? I mean, anytime I see God working in a, in a great way, I want to know specifically what what is it? Like, what? What are you doing? I mean, it doesn't just happen naturally um, without, you know, people working alongside or coworkers with God. So I definitely wanted to ask you about that. But before we get into that, how did you guys become Christians? 
a lifestyle? Oh, well, um, for me, it started off with one of my high school friends actually reached out to me. I used to, my parents sent me to church to kind of get me out of the house and um, to hang out with friends and things. So they sent me to a youth group on a Friday night and I always thought there was something different about God and something real there, but I never really um, dedicated my life to it or or really took it seriously. Um, But I had this high school friend who uh, we both used to go to one another's churches and um, yeah, and, and share what we were learning and Um, after high school, lost contact with her, went to America for university for a couple of years in Indiana, um, and then came back to Australia and and reconnected with her. And that's where she invited me along to a uh, women's retreat a a weekend away. And um, it was just unlike anything I'd ever experienced in the world or even in the religious world. Um, Just these women, their connections, their friendships, um, the way they really said, you know, I'm going to read my Bible and and they did and it was clear in their lives and um, the way, you know, she was, I think, about 21, we were about 21 at the time and she was talking to these 56-year-old women like they were friends, which was super strange to me (laughs) Um, because, yeah, it's like whenever I talked to my parents' friends, it was about the weather and then I didn't ask them any questions, they just asked me about my life and so... That was just something I'd I'd never seen or experienced. And um, it was something that was so in contrast to all the other churches I'd been to and and I'd experienced. I I felt like there was just a genuine and a sincere faith that really uh, wanted to follow what the scriptures said because um, I'd felt like the other churches I'd been to, there was a lot of hypocrisy um, and, you know, they'd preach, read your Bible, but it was evident no one was doing that or they'd preach, um, you know, stay pure in relationships, but there were people having kids outside of marriage. And so that was something that really stood out to me and um, really challenged me. And so, yeah, after that weekend was asked to study the Bible and um, that was the beginning of that journey. I think it it was really a challenge for me as, as we studied the Bible to question baptism and question um, all these beliefs that I thought I understood and I knew and really just say, okay, but, but what is the truth? What is, what is it the Bible saying? Um, and so, yes, yeah, so that was about 11 years ago. Um, I became a Christian and it was all through my connection with her. Wow. Yeah. But what about you, Rob? Yeah, look, I'm, I, I have a much simpler story. It, I just, I grew up in the church. My parents got converted in 92 uh, in Sydney and, uh, you know, they were one of the classic, uh, he got baptized and turned around and baptized my mom. And that was really cool. He, he sadly fell away in 94. Uh, and so I kind of grew up with just my mom uh, being the, I don't know, the faith breadwinner, the person who ran our house faithfully. And she's just awesome. I mean, she's an incredible woman with an incredible story uh, and has, you know, since then had incredible faith. So I, I always grew up, you know, every Sunday is without excuse. Uh, you get to church every Wednesday, you get to midweek, every Friday, you get to your teen event. We, we lived in England from 98 to 03, uh, in the South region there. And we lived in Surrey, which is a fair bit further South of, you know, it's on the M25 down South of London, you know, she would travel every Friday night. We'd travel 45 minutes into town to Croydon, 
we'd go to teens and she'd just sit in the car park under a lamp reading a book for two hours to make sure me and my sister were at Devo. Um, yeah, and so th- this that was the attitude, you know, soccer is, football is absolutely crazy. Like even now I feel a tired. I was up at 2 a.m. this morning watching the Socceroos get through to the next round of the World Cup, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but, you know, so- soccer is a big part of my life. I love it, but, but it, it's played on Sunday mornings. And so when we lived in England, uh, mum, there was no choice. It was you need to get to church and then we'll figure out a team that, that can play at another time. And so, you know, God bless that too. But we've always, I, I just always grown up in that environment. And then we came back from England in 2003, about 2005-ish, Rodney Scott, won, uh, the Scots are a couple in Sydney who are super faithful. Uh, he he sat down and said, hey, do you want to study the Bible? I did. I think I fell asleep in discipleship on his couch while he was speaking. <laughs> and, you know, your classic, like, I'm too cool for school teen. But it was, he did the sin study and he said the wage of sin is death. And that changed my whole world. I mm. couldn't believe it. So that was pretty cool. I uh, got baptized 5th of May, 2005. Gosh, it feels a while ago now. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely grateful to have grown up in the church for sure. How old are you guys? I'm 32 tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm 33. Ooh, 33. That's the year Jesus was crucified, Rob. I, I have been thinking about that just of late. I <laughs> turned 33 months ago, and I thought that the relationships with the guys I have now, if I died, what would I leave behind a little bit? It's been lingering. <laughs> I've, like, oh, now, no pressure, but Jesus did change the entire world by the time he was 33. So, um, you know, you got a little time left. You better hustle. Yeah, <laughs> it was Jerusalem, walking, walking south. <laughs> okay, so you guys, how long have you guys been married? Oh, gosh, that, that's a question I should know straight up. Six and a lot. half years? Six and a half years. Okay, years, how'd, you, yeah. how'd you get together? Oh, wow. Um, well, we first met when I first visited the church. Uh, we would I would have been 14 or something. I was year eight in high school. And I always thought he was cool. I mean, I thought a lot of the people I met there were cool, but I remember Rob sticking out. And then uh, it wasn't until I was about 20 I came back to church and I remember him being one of the first people to recognise me and say hello. Um, and so that that's sort of where our friendship started. And then for me, I feel like, I always liked Rob from that point on. He was always someone who was really spiritual and pushed me to question my spirituality, question my, um, you know, decisions and things, um, which I, I really loved. I loved that he pushed, yeah, me to be more faithful and more um, loving and kind and all those things. Mm. But, yeah, I think it was like a, a few years after we met, we started dating. But I feel like Rob has more to say because he he dated a couple of people in the meantime whilst yeah. I was just liking him. So. Yeah, so we we met when we were teenagers and Katie's super nice. So she was always a good friend. Um, but yeah, when she became a disciple, I was I was dating another sister and then we broke up and then I was dating another sister and, and that relationship ended really poorly. Uh, and that's where Forrest and Mandy helped a lot, especially Forrest. I think that relationship exposed 
a lot of the deep character issues that existed in my heart, some of the trauma, you know, just family stuff. Uh, but, but yeah, we, as we dealt with that, I kind of just, I think I started to feel just more secure as you do in both God and myself. And then you just start looking for friendship. I think, you know, you're looking for, I want to be in a relationship because I'm in a relationship where I get to be in one. Then the next one is I'm looking for a relationship. I'm not very good at guarding my heart. I want everything to move really fast. This next one was just like, okay, I'm, I'm looking for someone to be my friend. And, and then I think it might have even been Mandy that suggested it. I, I, I just went, oh, yeah, Katie's great. And, and so, you know, I, I thought, okay, let, let's have a go. And to be quite honest, it, you know, even when we started dating, I wasn't entirely sure, like, Katie was the one or something. I, I don't – I just remember thinking, let's give this a faithful go because she is cool and uh, I want to see what God does. And then, goodness me, 13 months later, we were – was it engaged? or Yeah, engaged. Yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah. So romantic, though. When did, <laughs> you know. when, when did you guys get married? 2016? 2016? 2016. June 2016. The freezing cold. Okay, so eight years ago, you're about 25. Okay, but, but Katie, you said that you... You were going to church off and on. So you guys met, you were like visiting this church or something. And that's how you met Rob back in the day before. Yeah, so that was with, with my high school friend who um, eventually who, who reached out to me. We we were always visiting one another's churches. If, if I ever did a sleepover, the expectation was either you get picked up at 9 a.m. or you come to church with the family. And so that's where I sort of first met Rob and, I see. Okay, so you were just kind of visiting a, a, a church in our family of churches, the, the Sydney yeah. Church. Okay, got it. All right. All right. So can you guys just give a quick overview of where you've been in the ministry and how you guys got to the Gold Coast? <laughs> yep. Um, so like I was talking about a little before we started, I, I did a lot of teamwork for years while I had my, you know, just my normal career job. Um, and I worked in IT services, and that was coming to a close in early 2015. Uh, Forrest pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, this relationship breakup, the stuff going on, I don't think the ministry is maybe for you. And that had always been a dream. Even if I hadn't acknowledged it, I think it was always what I wanted. Um, and, and then you come to terms with that and you just go, okay, amen, let me have a heart that's like, uh, this is God's plan and he knows better. And I think I was ready just to be secure and like Katie was on the radar and that was pretty cool. Um, so you, you just kind of serve. And, and then December that year, the the government agency I was working for was being shut down and privatized. And so it, it was, you know, the end of that particular part of my career. And I was talking to Forrest about it and we were going to host the 2016 reach conference. And he just said, Hey, could you start part-time if the REACH conference like covered some of your salary? And that's how I jumped into the ministry part-time that following year. I was just like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and, and that was a bit wild and fun. Uh, and then we got married midway through 2016 and Katie just joined me in the ministry. And that, that time there, we started in the campus. Uh, we we're on Macquarie campus in Sydney and we were led by, 
uh, Will Thorne and, and now Megan Vassalo. Uh, Megan's married to Brandon in Adelaide and Will and Chelsea lead the church in Sydney. Um, and they were kind of interns ahead of us. And I don't know, you can ask them how we did it. <laughs> I, Mike once called me the babysitter. Uh, Mike Ponser, because you know you, you become a teen worker and you get kind of good with the kingdom kids because you understand or at least understood what they felt keeping them safe that was okay but making disciples wasn't super great at it and, and so Macquarie campus is a bit fun you know a bit crazy uh, just get out there have a go make some terrible mistakes and then I, I don't really know the whole situation you'd have to ask uh Mike and Tess about that at some point. I guess they're retired now, but the Gold Coast needed help. I think they hadn't really grown in about 15 years as a couple here who's super faithful. Uh, the Thorntons are really great, Wayne and Jenny. But the, the church had, had struggled to grow. And, and so the church here was reaching out for a new leadership. And there was a plan to bring in a new couple from overseas or something to that effect. And I, I just don't think it was working out. And so they... I, I don't know. It happened at a staff meeting at Chatswood. We sat down, we're eating yum cha and, and Mike made some joke about if I went to Queensland, cause it's sunnier and the ozone is, is thinner here <laughs> about me going to the gold coast and, and needing more sunblock to make sure I don't get forms of cancer. <laughs> and, and then he kind of suggested like, Hey, would you go? And I just went, yeah, I'll go. And I, I don't, I have no idea what he expected from me. I have no idea how he felt in the response, but genuinely four weeks later, we were on a truck with all of our stuff heading north to the Gold Coast to live. And we'd barely even led a ministry nor a region. Like it was <laughs> unreal. And then we got here and we've been here ever since. How, when did when did you arrive? Uh, March of 2017. So we left, Feb, well, sorry, we got told in February and left in March. Okay, so you've been here for in five years how big was the church then how big is it now so it's, it was about 37 when we got here after we you know looked at the books a little bit it was about 37 disciples and now it's it's 75 that's awesome so it's doubled in the last five years yeah okay that's got to feel really great okay what tell me what what did you do like coming in there you're you're at the time you are 28 years old and 26 at the time, I guess, 27. And you never had church, never led a church before. What did you do? How did you double the church? I mean, I'm I'm sure it probably wasn't, that wasn't your plan. We're going to double it in the next five years, but how did you do it? What, what was your game plan going into it? It, there was not a lot of game plan except for imitation I, I mean, I look, honestly, the way you say that, I was telling someone on the phone, I feel like a bit of an imposter because genuinely, I I don't know how we did it other than through God. But when I say that, of course, there's hard work and there's a lot of things. We can talk about that in a sec. But it, it to me, it was just we got up here and, and instead of pretending I knew what I was doing, I just had to get humble and say, I've, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've been chucked in the deep end. I don't even think the people who sent us here expect us to swim. They just kind of expect us to survive until they can find someone else to replace us. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that was, it hadn't grown in like 15 years. You had a steady yeah. and stable couple there leading it beforehand, which is awesome. But 
you come into a church that has established kind of a, a pattern and has plateaued at that level. How did you change the standards? How did you change the culture? We said, hey, we are going to start growing. It just starts with us, right? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking we were very blessed and, and lucky that when we came up, I think the church was in a place where they were very faithful and they wanted the change and they were were ready to start doing something different. And I know we got a lot of advice about, you know, make small changes, don't jump in and do anything big straight away. You don't want to make any, you know, big ripple effects. But I felt like we made a couple of small changes and the church really said, yeah, let's keep going. What what else do you want to do? Um, and so, yeah, a lot of it started with, I think us just, especially in the campus, we found that was a, a really great place to um, sort of establish and, and start making disciples. But um, yeah, and I think we just sort of, I remember meeting with every every married couple. We got dinner with them within the first like two months. We'd met with all the marrieds and, and just sort of started building those friendships, building that trust. Um, but yeah, on, honestly, it really is only by the grace of God that that it's grown. But I think, yeah, we, we always had a, a vision even in that first year to say, okay, let's baptize one person a month. And to do that, we knew, well, we have to have at least three people who we think might get baptized and, and one of those will actually make it. And so um, that was always just trying to have that culture and, and set that standard of, okay, we, w- we want to have so many studies that we have three people who we think could make it so that one person actually does hit the water and, and maybe gets baptized. So right. Was, okay. So that's a great yardstick to have in mind. Like, okay, you, not every person's going to make it. Some are in the first soil and the, the Satan's going to steal away the, the word planted in their heart. Um, you mentioned imitation. Who who are you referring to? Like imitating who? Uh, all, all the men that, all the couples really too, because the women actually have a greater, the older I get, the more influence they had. But just imitating those couples that went ahead of us uh, and, and did what seemed impossible. Because in, you know, in 2005, the Sydney church was not doing super well. I, I don't want to offend anyone from that period, but like I had a teen worker that didn't open a Bible with me for two years. Um, you know, he's a nice guy, great couple, but not, not spiritual. And, you know, getting then challenged by these men and women who came in and said, hey, we're going to raise the standard. We're actually going to make this about growing a church and we're actually going to do what Jesus expects us to do. Um, just watching them for years and, and learning what that looks like. I think the relentlessness of it. So like, you know, it's, Sam and Dave and, and Mike are great examples of that. They're just the relentless and singular focus of, okay, what, what are we going to do to save people and keep people saved? You know, how many Bible studies are we in? Who, who's the next guy we're looking for? Um, you know, and, and even if you're making heaps of mistakes, just that, that spude, that haste in the decision-making process to kind of say, hey, let me be faithful about this. Let's, move, let's make a decision. Let's move forward so we can get back to what matters. Um, and, and then, you know, up here, just applying that was establishing the ministries structurally, because there was none of that before we got here. And, and then picking, I think, a few people where we said, hey, we're, we're going to invest in you and, and y- you know, you're going to become like us 
which is you imitate us as we imitate Christ and this is why it will work. Um, yeah, and then like Katie said, it, it's just having goals. Like a, It's not all numbers. That's not the point. But, but setting goals helps you stay focused and um, on target. You know, okay, I, I want, yeah, if, if I'm going to baptize one guy this month, that's great. But what about my guy next month? What about my guy the month after that? Um, who who am I meeting? Who am I knowing? Mm. So that definitely helped establish those things. I, I was also just going to say, I think preaching. Actually, we moved up here, and and part of imitating was not just the men that I'd seen, but also like you know you imitate the stuff you read. You those who lead read. That's you know, <laughs> but like I read your book Zero to One Hundred, and and just I think there was a lot of truth in it the jack of all trades and, and the preaching in particular, I don't, Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep. And, and one thing Mike really instilled in us early was, was you got to feed the sheep. You know, you have midweeks, you, you preach strong to the disciples. You have Sundays, you, you preach God's word. Um, and, and you, you know, it's just having an attitude of like, let's set a high standard with that. It's not necessarily the lessons have to be amazing, but you have to preach God's word with a, with a sincerity and a seriousness, a passion. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did that and things started growing, <laughs> started baptizing people. And that, that was great. So you guys have two kids. You have a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and Katie, you're pregnant. You're going to give birth on Christmas Day, you mentioned in the interview before this. I hope not, but <laughs> when it's due. That's, that's going to be a nice present. How do, you, how do you do it? How do you manage the ministry, grow your ministry with, you know, you've got little kids running around under underfoot? Good question. Um I, I honestly, some days I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> using, using the nap times a lot. I forced my three-year-old, the, I was having a discussion at daycare that he stopped having naps at daycare. And I'm like, he's not stopping at home. <laughs> <laughs> I need that time. That is my time. Um, but yes, often I feel like we, we try and juggle a lot with um, Bible studies, our priority. And so which, whichever parent has a Bible study, Rob or I, the other one is taking care of the kids and, and that's priority. And then we do a lot of meetings where, you know, I'm, I'm halfway through talking to someone and I get interrupted that I have to change a nappy or diaper or, um, yes, stuff like that. But I think, uh, thankfully, we, we have such a, a network of amazing campus students and even other parents who are willing to babysit and watch. So, I think, sorry to them, I, I feel like we sometimes use and abuse them. But um, yeah, that's, I think a lot of it is just babysitting, um, using using the outside hours when they're asleep and um, yeah, and trying to share, juggle the load and prioritize a lot. We have to have a meeting even once a week where we just sit down and go through our own calendars to say, who's got the kids here? I need this time and you know, really plan it out. I think it's a lot of planning. Okay. So let's just, let's just kind of talk a little bit about that. So a lot of good stuff right there. You guys have a discipling time every week. You go through your schedule, you prioritize Bible studies. So if Rob, you've got a study, then Katie, you'll help him so that he can be in that study and vice versa. So Rob, if you're, if Katie's got a study, you'll watch the kids so that she can get into that study, which is awesome. You don't just go, Hey, you know, your, your jobs take care of the kids. Good luck. 
you work as a team mm-hmm. in helping each other to, to make it happen. Another thing is you ask for the disciples to help you out with the babysitting. Yeah. And do they volunteer yeah. to help you with that so that you get, guys can get into studies? I think they have hearts that would want to volunteer, but you still have to, I don't know, you still have to ask and be bold. I, I think shameless audacity really helps with that one. And I think helping people understand it, it is the mission. We're, we're here to do a job and and there are certain people we, we want in those Bible studies too. And so we need to ask specific people and we help them understand this is why we're asking you to help. And we really appreciate that you do. Mm. Uh, it also trains our kids to be fellowship oriented, church oriented, you know, to, these people coming into our lives are all different, wildly different backgrounds, life stages, but our kids are expected to engage them, you know, learn from them, be loved by them, love them. Um, so they have a lot of uncles and aunts as a result, which is great too. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's yeah. fantastic. Now, what do you feel like you're doing that others may not be doing? Now, this can be either you and your church or the other churches around the South Pacific, Australia region. I, this is a loaded question because I don't, I don't really, I don't know what other people are not doing. Um, but I, I just, I think if things aren't growing, I, I think it's just it for us whenever it's not happening because there are certainly good years and bad years. It's not just been good the whole time. Uh, that that's a pipe dream. But for sure, I think it's just getting that singular focus back. Like, okay, how how do we pair away from the distractions, you know, the things that are going on in the world, the the generational issues, the cultural issues, the current world issues. And you say, okay, th- those things have their place, but, but what about the mission? Um, and, and just keeping it that simple is I think sometimes what I see we don't do um, because it is easy to get caught up in that stuff, even just with like church and it's social media presence. It's, it's live streaming and stuff. It, it can be you know it, that stuff is so great and it's so helpful but it, it can be sometimes a distraction from what we need to do and then you got to find other people to go do it and take the lead on it yeah and I, I think like for me I always feel like I want to find the silver bullet what's that mm-hmm. thing that's just gonna explode the you know the mission or whatever but as Rob says it, it's it's really just sticking to to kind of what Jesus said, like go and make disciples and, and feed the sheep. And so I feel like that's that's a lot of what we concentrate on. And and I think something that's really helped us is uh, in in the South Pacific where we're quite interconnected because a lot of our churches are really far away from one another. And so I think that isolation draws us to want that connection. And so even as church leaders, we have a, a men's, um, all the church leaders within the South Pacific, the men get on Zoom and meet up once a month and the women do the same. Um, and even not just the church leaders, but those we're training up and and those who, um, you know, are also on staff. We've all got little little Zoom D groups. And I think that, that for me has really helped um, just to get ideas, to be able to share things, and then to also get that discipling and that training um, through that time, that's just, yeah, really helped me to have have that confidence and, and look at okay, how can we keep growing? How can we keep fighting when 
sometimes being in a small church or being in a um you know somewhat more isolated region it, it can feel like I'm, I'm just doing it myself and and I've got to be the faith for the whole church but right. no it's it's a shared mission so you have like zoom discipling groups men split men and women how often do you yeah. have those is that like monthly or yeah so we you know we have our staff meetings where we get together in person but then we since covid one of the benefits has been those monthly meetings. And so I, I lead a married intern D group. So all the interns that are married, uh, you know, have a couple of kids or yet to have kids. We, we have a D group monthly. Uh, and I pull in the other evangelists into that often as well. Uh, and then the group beneath that. So like we have an intern, Darcy Smythe. He, he joins that and Brandon and Megan lead that in from Adelaide. Um, and then we're part of a church leaders one as well from the men's side. And the women have like a similar structure. They meet monthly and it it's not so much, it's discipling it for sure. As you ask questions, how you doing? How's your ministry doing? It, it's also just an opportunity to connect and say, Hey, you know, these are some things I've seen. These are some things I'm struggling with. What do you guys think? You know, uh, what can we do that's, that's better or even just freshening things up often the mission can become hard when it loses its freshness. I mean, you, you right. probably know this. Right. And so just, you know, being the simple challenges and being reminded of just how great it is to be in the ministry and, and giving it a, a fresh perspective changes everything. So. Exactly. No, that's, that's very helpful. So making sure you stay connected. And then one, one thing that really impressed me about Mike Fontenot is his unapologetic approach to ministry, just just staying focused. And I definitely hear an echo of that in what you're saying. And I, I love that about Mike. I feel like that's, you know, a great, great quality. Um, and what I hear you saying in your comments is you, you're always getting back to the mission in, of making disciples and then teaching people to obey, to disciple. How do you structure your discipling relationships? Like, wh- how do you set them up? Do you have people set them up on their own? Do you sit down and and set up discipling chains what do you do in your ministry that helps you to help people stay connected yeah so we have a a a really clear structure for the people we're raising up um you know we have our list of, of three or four people in each ministry hey this person could do the ministry one day or we could train them to have that vision and then beneath that we we help the ministry leaders who are usually those people create a chain but for the people beneath the ministry track, we, we do have discussions with them about what's best. So sometimes they, you know, not everyone has the same faith and Paul talks about that. And so sometimes people, uh, they, they just need a certain kind of relationship. Um, and, and so we try and help facilitate that, I think, not, not just to be comfortable, but to ensure that they're getting discipling from someone that they respect and trust uh and when they don't want that then we make we kind of make a point to help them understand being a part of a ministry is that you there's a structure and a set of expectations that come with that because it's a ministry group it's a mission focused group so we've had no pushback really from that and when we do if we talk about it with them it's not hard to win people over because they can hear the sincerity of hey we're, we're not trying to make you do something that is just uncomfortable for the sake of it we're trying to help you grow your relationship with Jesus. And we all need other people to do that. Um, so it's, it's a mix of both 
like really clear structure and then in some ways uh, just facilitating good relationships in the church that that push them towards the Bible and its standards. Okay, so you identify those that are on a leadership track or, or may, could be future church leaders or ministry leaders and those you're intentionally discipling, having discipling relationships. And then you, for those who are not necessarily leaders, then you just make sure that those have really good relationships within their, their small groups. Yeah. Okay. And me and Katie will try and meet with everyone in the church maybe once a month. And so... Okay, At wait a second. Least, you like, meet with every person in your church once a month? Yeah, we try to. So that's 75 <laughs> people. How, how does every, that happen? Every two months. <laughs> I'm a little bit slower than Rob, but yeah, we try and try and really cycle through and, and make sure we're, we're connecting, just hearing where they're at, what they're feeling. So. Yeah, and if you can't meet in person, a phone call always helps. Just, just chatting between things. You know, we've always got places to drive to and stuff. And so just being in the car, calling someone saying, hey, how you doing? What's really going on? How's your life? Okay, so, so you are communicating with them. Okay, it doesn't have to be a sit-down appointment face-to-face, but at least a phone call at least once a month just, just to check up and see how people are doing. Yeah. Okay. Now, what does your weekly schedule look like? Like, what are you guys doing? Uh, question i I wrote the list it's bible studies evangelism evangelism d groups lesson writing admin phone calls reading parenting repeat all day every day (laughs) except for monday (laughs) okay so you take mondays off you have a little little rest yeah okay yeah i'm definitely um better than rob at that i i am phones down i will not reply to you Whereas Rob's a little bit more relaxed with it. Oh, this this is this could be an important call. I'll, I'll quickly answer. It'll be five minutes. Don't worry, babe. Half an hour later, I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's <laughs> he's not as good at um, switching off. I think his ministry does go 24 hours a day. I think with the kids, I get so exhausted that I realize I need that clear cut day off, mental break i think emotional break <laughs> absolutely absolutely okay and then how many studies are you guys usually in i know we're getting really technical here but i, I want to find out like what what are your standards mm. you know like how do you know when you're doing well when you're on track with your ministry like what's what's a good yardstick for you to go okay this is this is good this is going to mean fruit in the future we've really planted the seed mm. I wish I wish it was clear cut that this many studies does equal fruit. I don't, I don't think that's always so clear, but I think bet, between the two of us, we try to be in at least five five to ten studies a week. I, I would say. Yeah, five to ten studies a week each, uh, and you know, I think it with in terms of the yardstick. I think in the studies, you obviously discern open people from people who maybe are a little more closed or or looking for certain answers. Uh, And I think I'm always trying to find one or two of those people who I know will study. Just they're open people, right? Jesus says they're out there. And and so if I'm not studying, let's say I have 10 Bible studies in a week and they're all early on and and none of them seem super open, I'll just... uh, I'll try and let some of the campus guys run those studies and go find other studies or encourage some of the guys to go find other studies. Um, 
yeah, to make sure that we have a couple of people you feel like, okay, this person's going to, they're seeing God for what it is. They're seeing the Bible and the standards for what they are uh, and are open to that. So, Okay, so let me just change the channel a little bit. You, What's the university there in Gold Coast? Called Griffith University. Griffith, public school or private? Uh, it's public. Uh, well, as far as those two things in Australia exist, it's more public than private. Uh, we have a private one called Bond here, and th- there's a potentially someone on it next year, actually. But yeah, no, it's, it's a public one. Sorry. Okay, so I did a little background. Now, Gold Coast is is up in the kind of the middle of the coast there, north yep. northeast section, um, big surfing area, right? Okay, do, now Rob, do you get out on? Did you? Yeah. Do, are you a surfer? I I do not. It's it's. I I wish and and all a heap of the disciples surf. I feel bad because I I never get out on a board. Oh my but, gosh! Uh, Come on, yeah. Rob. We do have a, a surfboard displayed in our house that I think has been out ne- never since we moved here, maybe three times in our marriage. So people walk in through our front door and say, "Oh, there's a surfboard on the wall. You guys must surf." I'm like, "No, this is embarrassing. <laughs> just take that down." How far are you guys from the beaches? Oh, well, I think it's like five minutes to the closest beach. Oh my sort of gosh! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, it was awesome. great in lockdown because I think we had a five-minute radius, like or a five-kilometer actually radius, and so we could just reach our nearest beach for you know exercise purposes, of course. Right, right. With our two young kids, you know, you can imagine we're not doing that much exercise. But now, <laughs> so the Gold 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 Coast, it it must be a, a popular vacation area and tourist destination. I, I I've heard of it. I mean, it's world renowned for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely tourist town. There's all the theme parks here. Uh, there's Cavill Avenue and Surfers Paradise, uh, which is just you know, uh, food and shopping mecca. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like Santa Monica a little bit uh, in that way. It's gorgeous though. It's unreal. We're very lucky to live here. Right, nice, <laughs> nice place. To, nice place to live. Okay, so let's let's get back to business here. Get back to the ministry. Like. Talking about staying focused, how do you stay focused and how do you know when you're on track? Like, how do you know, okay, we're, we're going in the right direction? You're, you're right. You can't tell by, there's no perfect yardstick, but like, for instance, do you, do you have accountability? Like, do you talk to whoever's leading the church in Sydney and do you, do you report, hey, this is what's going on in our church? How does that, how does that work? Yeah, for sure. Like Katie was saying, we, we all call each other and we're interconnected. So I'll, I'll call William and Chelsea Thorne, disciple us in Sydney. Um, and I'm so grateful for his friendship and mentorship. He's like a super close friend. But yeah, we, I call him multiple times a week uh, and talk about just everything and anything. Often it's these days at the moment, it's just a lot of feelings. This happened. I feel this. <laughs> I need to get it out of my system. Uh, so I can, because that, that distracts me a lot is, is I get distracted by my own thoughts and feelings. Um, but yeah, and just talking about how the ministry is doing, how many studies we're in, people we think will make it. Um, I think just being unafraid to talk about the stats is a big deal because I think that that's the sense I get too from 
even my time at the discipleship summer a little bit is is that sometimes people are, are nervy talking about how their churches are going stats wise because there's a history where that wasn't great and that's all it was that's all it was um but, but i think using those stats the right way because facts help us kind of figure out what's missing um and, and help us kind of direct our energy the right direction the right places so like you know if i'm growing the campus at some point that's great but i, I want to work on the professionals and then i also want to talk about how the marriage are going and, and you know why aren't they in bible studies and 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 how are my relationships with them going and, and how are me and katie going at leading them and so those conversations help i i you know called sam yesterday um you know and we talked to dave who who's our new regional family chair which is i mean what a big role to take from Mike and they do a David Megan do an amazing job um and so yeah I those guys then I talk to the guys my age too Katie Mike yeah I think that's that's a lot of it is is our interconnectedness helps us to stay focused and I think the the only other thing I was thinking was just um making sure we have a, a good personal relationship with God that that helps me to stay focused um is is just really yeah, focusing in like focusing on how my quiet times, am I having them? And then how am I translating that into, you know, my times with other people? Um, and, and I mean, just popped into my mind, but also I think when I'm in Bible studies and, and I'm constantly talking to people about what it means to be a disciple and, and what Jesus calls us to do, I think it's, it's hard to, to waver in in things when when that's the thing that you're talking to people about every day. So I think right. being in Bible studies helps me to stay focused on this is what's important and this is you know and just seeing the joy of someone becoming a Christian. It's it's hard not to want to keep doing that and want to keep seeing that grow. So I think that that helps me just you know it's sort of like it's it's hard to get the ball rolling, but once it's rolling, I think just just keep keeping it going. Um, I, I don't think it's hard to keep my mind focused on that and then also hard to keep that going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one, one thing I see here and this, I went to do a, like a, I can't remember the name of their region. Is it ACC? Like Atlantic conference churches. I did a conference there in 2014 for Randy McKean and for Mike and it was it was great because there was a form of accountability. Everyone was knew what was happening with each other's churches, which I think is so important. And I feel like that's been lost since 2003. There was kind of a, a rejection of any type of accountability, but that is really what hurts small churches is because you can't keep track of how one another is doing. It's like statistics are kind of like a... Um, it's kind of like going to a doctor and getting a checkup. You do you do the vi the vitals. How are we doing? You know, are, do we have Bible studies going on? Are, is there growth? Is there zero growth? Okay, that's that's a cause of concern. How can we change it? But if there's a good relationship, then it's a source of help. And I yeah. think this is something that is can be super helpful. And I think for small churches, oftentimes there's fear, there's shame, and you get into kind of a situation where it's like, don't ask, don't tell, just we're going to keep it quiet. We're not going to talk about anything, subst anything substantive. And then eventually that church leader gets 
they, they fall out. Something happens because they're not growing. They're not personally growing in their walk with God and their church isn't growing. And then, you know, it's like five years later, it's like, I, I saw that coming, but I didn't really do anything about it. And that person's no longer either faithful or definitely not in the ministry. So that's awesome that you guys do that. Mm. What, what do you see as the reasons why churches don't grow? Again, it's a loaded question that I don't know I have the answer to really, but um, yeah, I mean, again, it's just it, when people lose that focus. We're, I don't, for me, look, it, for me, one of the things that motivates me to stay focused and, and to keep growing is that whenever I think I'm working hard enough, I go read like one of Paul's letters and you just think about the time of history he's in, he has all, all the social issues, all the generational issues and cultural issues, all building up like around him. And, and yet he's never, it's not like a distraction to him. It's just keep doing what you need to do to be, to get the ministry moving, you know? Mm-hmm. And even the way he talks to Timothy, it's like, I, I don't, I don't know how it's read, but I, I read it almost sometimes like a little condescendingly, like it's, it, he he's still teaching Timothy after all these years, like, Hey mate, you, you've, you've done well, but you, you still got to be humble to the input and you got to get focused on what matters. You know, here's some false teachers. Okay. Deal with them, but then get back to the ministry, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, carry on being faithful the way you were when you, when you first joined me. Um, and then I think about the suffering he faced. It's like immeasurable. It, it's so, well, I mean, it is measured cause it's in there, but it feels immeasurable in contrast to what we do here. I just think there's always more to give. Um, I always, you know, me time and, and, and those, those selfish new age ideas about like, you, you know, you need to take care of yourself first. There is absolutely truth in, in managing your schedule, but like Jesus takes care of me and in eternity, I'm not going to really worry about how well I was taken care of, you know, for the time I was here. Also, Jesus promises that, right? So it's, I think it's just giving of yourself and, and saying, hey, there are, there are genuinely no limits to this. Um, I, I'd much rather someone come into my life and say, hey, you've reached a limit than, than to have my limits determined by my own self. And that, that's where the accountability is great, too, because I'm just not trustworthy with my own standards. I, I need Will and those guys uh, to, to call me out and say, hey, you know, you, you're, you're missing something. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and, yeah, look, even just quickly in contrast, when we first moved to the Gold Coast, Mike sent us up here and he said, you got to call me. And I, I didn't want to call him because Mike makes me nervous. Right. <laughs> so I, can, I can see why, definitely. Yeah, that unapologetic <laughs> nature is like, you know, I appreciate so much how he worked to make me secure, um, but I didn't want to call him. And he called me three weeks into being here and he goes, why haven't you called me? Right. And I, oh yeah. Okay. I should probably do that. And just getting humble, like changed changed everything. Right. Um, you know. So that that's really important. I think. Right. Yeah. And I think for for us also, um, I feel like something that we've we're trying to work on as as the church grows. I think um, the we can struggle and get to a point where we can't keep growing the church just Rob and I. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes it, it, that can happen. And, and I feel like we've already seen that happening in our ministry. If 
if we're not raising up someone else to, you know, to be doing the job as well, then we can't, you know, go from making nine disciples a year, say, to to 15, to 30 as the church grows. I think we need more, you know, trainers. We need more people. We need to train trainers. We need to train people who can do the job, who can train the next people to do the job. And I think, yeah, I, I feel like that's something we've seen in the years as, as our church growth hasn't been as great it's it's because we're just trying to do the work ourselves and we're not looking at okay who can who can help us because yeah we're we're not capable of you know keeping on doing this forever sort of thing right if that makes sense right now are are you guys happy about your decision to go into the full-time ministry yes if, very much if someone were in their 20s and they're thinking man I, I don't know if ministry is for me what what advice would you give them like if they're kind of wavering and they're, they're considering it, but maybe they have an IT job like you had, what, what would you tell them is the benefit of being in the full-time ministry? I mean, you get to see all of the things the Bible says about those with faith can move mountains. You, you truly get to experience that. Maybe not a mountain moving, but certainly like, I mean, when you watch people change and you just think, what on earth did I say to them in that discipling time to make them <laughs> repent? Oh, I, I didn't say anything. I just showed them the scriptures and it actually worked. It's like, you know, and, and then you watch people not just transform, but then transform others. It, it's, it's, it's a mind blowing thing. It's, it's mm. a cosmic thing. Um, and you just don't get that anywhere else. Uh, you know, I, I was a public servant and I was grateful for that because you're not serving you know, some entity that's just out to make money or something. And that's, you know, not a slam against jobs. I'm just grateful for that. But then to spend my life being purposeful and doing the mission, I I just can't think of a, a better way to use my life. Um, yeah, so I can't think of anything more exciting as I, either. Like it's just at what point do you have a job that presents so many opportunities to go on an adventure to slay dragons, right? Uh, to you know, confront the parts of yourself and to do the hard things to actually grow your character, right? It's, it's so many outputs that are great. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Katie? Oh, I, was, I was just thinking. There's a phrase that Rob actually uses, where he says, "Like ministry has saved my faith." I think, and sometimes I, I feel that just just getting to be on the ground, getting to do it, getting to see people you know, love, love Jesus, be transformed by the scriptures. I think there, there have been days and times where I think, would, would I still be a disciple if, if I didn't get challenged by this, get to see this all the time? I think it is such a blessing and, and it really does help my faith stay strong and, and help me to grow, um, just getting to do that. And yeah, I think there, there are tough days, there, you know, there are challenges, but I think I I don't regret it for for a second. And even if, you know, we were to leave ministry, I think, gosh, I I wouldn't look back on this time with any any form of sadness or regret. Right. Um, even 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 in the hard times, I think it's yeah, it is. It's just so much joy getting to do this, it, and um, yeah, it really you wouldn't is. Wanna, get to see people be saved, you know, as part of your job. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Cool. I, I think about, you know, just, I mean, people are messy. So I think sometimes people shy away like, oh gosh, you know, you get involved in people, it's it's messy. It is messy. But at the same time, I think about Jesus coming into this world 
what did he sacrifice for? It's for people who were all completely messy. Even the very best of his, his closest friends were just a mess and, and let him, let him down, but he still did it. And I think that that's, what did Jesus sacrifice for? It's for people. And I think that's what ministry is all about is, is working for people in mm-hmm. spite of how messy we all are. We've all got our own, we've all got our own problems. That's awesome. It's so exciting to see what you guys have done. Any, any final words, any final advice that you'd give to a person who wants to make this life count? Give everything and then some more and God will surprise you with the rest. Hmm. Yeah, and I think just just don't be afraid. Just go for it. Do it. Do what whatever you feel like. Um, you know, your ministry leader's asking you to do, or or whatever. I think, you know, as Rob said, we moved up to the Gold Coast in four weeks, and I'd never even visited the Gold Coast. I'd, I'd passed <laughs> it once, but I'd never stopped in the city, so I had no idea about the church, about the culture, about the city. Um, but I think. Gosh, I, I look back now and I go, I, I don't know if I'd ever want to live in Sydney again. Like I love I love it up here so much. I yeah. love these um, people, this lifestyle. And so I think, yeah, just just don't be afraid and, and trust that God will take care of you wherever you go. And yeah, and, and through that, give everything. Just That's give it awesome. All. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd like to ask your help and support through one of the following. First of all, hit the subscribe button. Secondly, post the episode and its link on your favorite social media site. Let your friends know about it. Also, read my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church, or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find both of those on Amazon. Now, if you've already read one of these books, can I ask you a favor? Please leave a review on Amazon, okay? They get lost because there's, you know, there's so many books on Amazon, but when you leave a review, It brings attention to the book. And so please, please leave a review. And then finally, come to the CLIMB conference in Dallas at the end of 2023. Because my goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.